music is Game of Thrones, bro. You see Game of Thrones, they kill the main character. Do you get what I'm saying? They don't mm. mind doing that. Webley makes some noise for Red Free Together we're gonna make history. I think the best turning point for me was when I was 16 and my mum threw me out. She feels like it was a harsh thing to do, but I'm like, at the end of the day, if you don't do that for me at 16, I don't become rich. I'm living my life, that's what I do best. We signed for a single, which was Tractor. That was my ringtone. Twin said to me, he was like, this song's gonna change your life. And then yeah, bam, it goes in the charts and everything changed after that. The obsession made me better, made me more hungry. When you find your passion, yeah, you find your calling, bro. You're, you're not fair to no one. Everyone comes second, bro. My daughter, she has no recognition of living with me. I just became a monster, man. I just, you can't skip what's important, man. How many, we get 80 years maybe now. Your legacy can, can triple that, bro. Have the right one. What if it just hadn't worked out? I had to. So without further ado, I'm Stephen Bartlett, and this is The Diary of a CEO. I hope nobody's listening. But if you are, then please keep this to yourself. Rich, take me back to Tottenham when you were growing up. Um, I- I'm a big believer. And to be honest, I always start these podcasts in the same way because I came to learn when I was younger, the importance of those early years on shaping who we become as adults. And someone said this wonderful quote to me that we're actually just children living out the stories we told ourselves about ourselves long ago. Mm-hmm. So take me back to Tottenham where you grew up and the context in which made you the man you are today. Grew up in Seven Sisters in a state called Tiverton. Tottenham was just notorious in it for a lot of madness, a lot of crime, a lot of this, a lot of that. And I think for me, just growing up and learning how to navigate through that, how to understand who you are, what you're here for. And also my parents and grandparents and all that, they were proper embedded in, you know, fighting against police brutality. So I always had a lot of understanding about certain things that were probably above my age. I feel like I was always someone that could get along with everyone. Like whether cool kid, uncool kid, whatever. Like I could always have something to speak about with anyone. And I think throughout life that's always helped me and it's always been beneficial. But it definitely started when I was young. Um, in the estate, just like the regular the regular stuff, man, that was happening. Do you get what I'm saying? Like a lot of badness, um, stabbings, a lot of this, a lot of that. But we just, when we were very young, we just wanted to play football. You know what I mean? Wanted to play out, play football, play games. But as you get older, you, you know, you start seeing other things, hearing other things. And sometimes even, not even, I wouldn't say not unwillingly, sometimes you're just, you become a part of things because you're there on the day or you're there at that time. And I think a lot of them early scenarios kind of shaped who I thought I was going to become at that time. The best turning point for me was when I was 16 and my mum threw me out. Because I now had to be the adult that I thought I was. So before that, I was, you know, walking around the house, had a bravado, had an attitude, thought I was a big man, thought I was a bad boy, thought I was whatever. And, you know, all the time my mum's kind of like single mum, you know, there's, um, at that time there's three, uh, two older sisters and two younger sisters and myself in the house. And just like, at that time, just feeling like I'm feeling myself a bit too much. And my mum was always like, look, I know you feel you're beyond your years, but you're not. You're actually 15 or you're actually 14. And if you continue moving like this, you're going to be forced to be 21 at 16. Obviously, as a youth, you're not really 
taking that in, taking it serious. One day I come home and my bags are on the door. So I'm kind of like, all right, cool. And I'm like mad prideful as well. So at the time my sisters were like, look, just have a conversation with her. She's going to sort it out. Just calm down a bit, whatever, whatever. But I'm just feeling myself still too much. So I'm kind of just like, whatever. I took my bags, went to my cousin's house for a little while. Then I just felt like I was just in other people's space. Obviously they're family, but I just felt like I'm in the way. I don't like feeling like that. Went to my sister's, still did feel like I was in the way. Even though to her, she'll say I wasn't, but like, I just don't want to be a burden to anyone. So then, yeah, just went to the housing and then, yeah, 16 years old, I was in my place and I learned so much, man. And I think that's the best, the best thing anyone's ever done for me in my life. Why did she throw you out? I was too, too vibey, man. I just thought I was too, I thought I was it. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And I think as well, it's like, when you think you're it and you're making a little money on the roads and whatever, and you're giving someone money here and there, you're thinking you're doing your part. So I've, maybe I give you 200 pound this month, maybe next month I don't give you anything. Maybe the next month I give you a grand, maybe the next two months I don't give you anything. But I'm always reverting back to the fact that, yeah, but I gave you, yeah, but I gave you, or mm. yeah, but I done this, or yeah, but I done that. But what you don't realize until you're an adult is every month the bills are coming. They don't come staggered like you're giving the money. So it's not like she can't just pay 600 pound rent in January and nothing in February. Do you get what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So it's like, but you don't have that understanding as a child. Mm -hmm. You need to be an adult to have the understanding. Like these bills are coming regardless. And I think even though she was saying it to me, I was still, you know, like you're still calculating what you're giving. Like, no, but I gave, or, yeah. but I done this or I done that. It's not enough. The bills don't work like that. Being 16 and learning them harsh lessons, it's just harsh reality. And I was just like, rah, I actually thought I was a big man. And it's like, like years, like I was angry with my mum for a bit at the time, as you would be. Not speaking to her? Kind of, like kind of trying to be like that. But you know, like letters are still going there. So you're still going there. I get, ask my sister, Yo, give me the letters, bring out the letters, don't really want to go in, whatever. Still, you know, being attached to pride and being attached to too much attitude. And I just had to like, humble myself one day and I just be like, Do you know what, mum, that was the best thing anyone's ever done for me. And she was like, to this day, like when she hears me say it, she still, it still upsets her because she feels like it was, you know, a very a harsh thing to do. But I'm like, at the end of the day, if you don't do that for me at 16, I don't become wretch at 20 odd because he's too comfortable. Wretch comes out of being uncomfortable, being backed in a corner, being forced to be, you know, to be a provider, being forced to be the man of his house rather than thinking he's the man of his mum's house. The man of your house. Did you know your father? Yeah, yeah. Did you have a relationship with him? Yeah, 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 yeah. My dad's a very, was very, very serious, man. Very serious, very serious, very strict, very well respected because of, you know, in the area with all the, the, the police brutality and all of that, all the things that they fought for and still fight for, him, my uncle and my nan, but just very, very, very harsh. Very harsh. And and the, and the DJ as well. So old school, you remember they used to string up sound systems. Like my mum's my house, like all the speakers throughout the passage, one of the rooms, all the speakers, like all of us had to share because the speakers had their own room. You get what I'm saying? I'm like, mum, can I at least sleep in the in the speaker? Like I'm sharing with my sisters. I need a little space or whatever. But um, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Good relationship. Obviously him and my mum parted ways. And um. Yeah, still, still 
kept a relationship. Like I don't have that. I don't know my dad thing. Like mm. I know my dad. Yeah. And uh, your grandmother. Mm-hmm. One of the things you said about her was that watching her take care of your grandfather mm. who had cancer. Yeah. Um, was what a really pivotal moment watching you, how yeah. sort of caring she was with him and mm-hmm. right up until the point that he passed away. You know, like when you're young, your first experiences of death are like so severe, man. Like so impactful. Not that, not that it gets any easier, but you understand it more, I think, when you get older. And I just think at the time, I, I don't, I don't, I've never understood strength until I met that situation with my grandma. And it was just how she, how she was, you know, like Caribbean. So when I'd come around, she's like, make sure you come back again, you know, because I'm soon dead. And I'm saying, you're saying to me, he's, he's soon dead. Like, he's not going to die. I don't even understand the severity of cancer as, as young as I was at that time. She's like, yeah, man, I'm soon dead, man. And he's like, and all my friends that he liked, she's like, make sure you bring them to say goodbye. And I'm like, say goodbye? Like, what the hell? This like, Everything's cool. But it's like, she's saying it to me like that. But my mom and my dad, they're not like explaining the severity of the situation to me. They're not saying like, there's a countdown. So... I've got my aunt saying like, yo, we're giving him organic food. We're doing this. So I'm thinking, yo, we're fighting it. But every time I'm going back, it's like he's becoming like, I don't know, less and less and smaller and smaller. And, and now I can see it, but I'm still, I don't know. I, I guess the word's naive, isn't it? Like you're very hopeful and you're naive thinking, no, 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 it's going to be cool. Because he'd been, to be fair, he'd been saying he was sick for years, but he was undiagnosed. He was ill, but we didn't know. When he went to the doctor, he died. Once he got diagnosed, it's a countdown now. So I don't know if mentally something happens there. I don't know if, how that works. But just watching her, you know, through when he became in was incontinent, like washing him, bathing him, feeding him, just being there the whole way through. I was just like, that to me is, was the real definition of a marriage. That is, you know, um, sickness and health. Do you get what I'm saying? That is death do us part. That was literally till death do us part. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd ever see that level of strength again. The other thing that I really stuck out to me about your childhood as I was reading through your backstory was that moment when you're nine and a car comes up next to you. Yeah. Tell me about that. What happened in the, what what did that teach you? At that point, like Tottenham was warring with a lot of surrounding areas, isn't it? So it was like food fiestas back then, tinted cars rolling through the estate, just looking for whoever they're looking for. But I live in the middle of it. I'm being young, but being tall. And remember back then, when 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 everyone's warring with each other, like now we have the internet, so everyone knows who everyone is, what everyone looks like, whatever. Back then, nobody didn't. It was just a description, like he's dark skinned and skinny. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. So they're coming looking for a dark skinned and skinny guy, but I'm nine and I'm going shop. And then I remember the car was breezing up to me. And I'm thinking, right, why is it driving like that? Skids, wind down the window. And then I look in the car, I'm like, raw. But it's like, it's just like, nah, nah, nah. And then drive off. And I just thought, raw, like, what the hell? Like, just thought, imagine if I ran, like, cause I, you know, like for a second I was gonna run, like I was thinking, right, the car's, cause it's driving towards me. I can run that way. He ain't gonna be able to spin around. But I just remember thinking like, I haven't even done anything. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. First of all. But then when it stopped and then done that, I was just like, let's drive off. And I think that thing there made me feel like it's probably better to be involved than to not. At the time. 
Do you get what I'm saying? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. at the time I'm not involved. I'm actually just a clean-hearted, yeah. good you. I just play football and computer. That's it. Do you get what I'm saying? So when that happened, it made me feel like, right, that could have happened to me for no reason. Like I might as well give you a reason. Do you get what I'm saying? Well, like someone could have done something. Yeah, shortly. something. Something could have like I could have been shot. Whatever they was gonna do. And I think that kind of put a chip on my shoulder. Do you know what I mean? For the next, the next couple of years, which obviously is what led to my mum feeling like, now nah, you're feeling yourself a bit too much. Mm. go and fly the nest like if you don't you know if you don't if, the, if you don't push the bird out of the nest it won't fly you know if you're not thrown in the water you don't have to swim kind of thing and a lot of men I mean this happens not just on the estate but men that don't grow up in such circumstances they start using that like uh, bravado as a mm. as a form of self-defense but it ends up mm. um, inflicting self-harm in some way I mean that's mm. what you tend to see with a lot of gangs right you join for to defend yourself or to try and fit in but mm. it leads you down a, a path of self-harm yeah because you go from I'm doing this to fight back. Yeah. And then you go from fighting back in the form of defense to offense now, mm. because it's gone from, I'm just defending myself to now I'm out in a club or I'm out somewhere. And now you're getting into situations with people that you feel look like you might end up in a situation with. So right. now it's just happening now. It's proactive. Yeah, do you defense, get what I'm saying? Yeah, Whereas yeah. really, you, if you both were just defending yourselves, then you can be cool to walk past each other or be in the same club at the same mm. time or whatever. I think a lot of like things being unsaid, like when things ain't clear, like you're in, just cause you're in an environment and you feel, I don't know, you, you might not have an issue with anyone in the environment, but because there's no clarity, yeah, because they haven't said, we don't have nothing with you and you haven't said, we don't have nothing with you. It's just tense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's life, right? Relationships, yeah. you know what business, I mean? communication. Yeah. Is the... yeah, and there's just a little yeah. tenseness. And it's like, why is it tense? And then depending on how the ice breaks, do you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. If it breaks the right way, it's cool. If it breaks the wrong way, then it's just erupting into something that didn't even exist, to yeah. be fair, in the first place. And at that age, what did you want to be when you grew up? What was the aspiration? Probably wanted to be Ian Wright. <laughs> Realised early on that ain't going to happen. Um, I liked music. I didn't want to be a musician though. Why? It didn't seem realistic. Mm. You didn't know anyone in your tribal circle that had gotten Yeah, no. it was like the musicians were like... Other people. Jay-Z. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Tupac or Nas. Like that was somewhere else. So it's like, yeah, you can do it for fun. So we do it for fun. We write whatever, record on tapes, blah, blah, blah. But I never thought like, this could be a career, I could make money from this, I could live in this space. So I guess like, I was into trying to understand what else happens outside my estate. Cause, cause also what happens, you feel like your family, your friends become your family in the estate. The sweet shop is basically a supermarket. Um, so you don't need to leave. You just move from house to house. Then we're all outside, we play football. Then it's 9 p.m., we buy ice poles. Then everyone goes home, we do it again tomorrow. And you just end up in a cycle of that. But then someone told me, actually, I saw one of my friends in an advert, a guy from my estate called Frank, yeah? He was in a Lexus advert as a kid. And I was like, when he, when he come on the telly, I was like, mom, that's Francis. Like, he was over there. I said, Frank, when I saw him, I said, Frank, how did you get in an advert? He was like, I've got an agent. I was like, is it? how did you get an agent? He's like, there's a newspaper that comes out every Thursday called The Stage. So he's like, buy The Stage, it costs a pound, but it just shows you so much different things. So I used to buy that newspaper, yeah, just to see like, what else can happen? Like what else is there? And it used to, it used to be like, 
auditions or whatever. To be fair, I'd never really go to any, but I think like I was just intrigued about like what else exists, like what other people are doing. Then I'd see something about the Brit school. I'm like, right, I wonder what that is. Like all these things that we don't know nothing about. Anna Shears, I used to see Sylvia Young, all these things in the paper, but there was always a price, a cost, like mm. sign up for this or pay for the portfolio or whatever. Mm. And I, obviously at like 11, 12, 13, you, you can't, you know what I mean? My mum, she's not gonna, just, there's too many of us to ask for that. We need school uniform first and foremost. Mm. Everything else is secondary. So um, yeah. How old were you when you decided that you were gonna like record a mixtape and like publish it and try and sell it? 2006 when it came out, yeah, wasn't it? 2006 learn from my mixtape came out that's my first cd 24 songs on there i tried getting it on spotify i couldn't no nah, it's not it's <laughs> not i need to you know i need to get it up on there people ask but i think there might be one or two american beats right, right so that's why we're struggling with that but um yeah man i think at that point i'd been on pirate radio been on heat fm and i was just like then i became obsessed i was obsessed i was just like i need to go studio as much as I can, everything I was doing was to put into being able to record. And then once I had seven or eight CDs with about nine songs on each, mm. I was like, right, what, like 50, 60 something songs? Like, this is mad. Maybe I should just do do a project. So then I, I came up with the idea, learn from my mixtape, because I wanted it to be like quite educational, like not in a school way, but in a streets way. Like I always wanted to like, educate the youth and let them know there was other ways of doing things kind of thing. That's always been my thing. So yeah, came up with that, made that project. The funny thing about that CD is that you give it to the guy to press up, pay your six or 700 pound. And then he, he presses it up. But back then they were so long. You're ringing him every Friday. Is it, has it arrived? No, it's not arrived yet. Ringing, 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 ringing. So the day my son's born, I'm in the hospital, I get a phone call and it's the guy and I'm like, so the baby's born, healthy, everything's cool. I answer the phone, he's like, your CDs are here, come now. Cause he's not, I, I don't know, I don't remember if it was a Friday, but he wasn't in tomorrow, he wasn't in for the next two days. So it was like, come now. So obviously I'll come off the phone, I'm in the hospital holding my son. So like his mom's looked at me and she's like, who was that? I was like, yeah, man, the CDs are here. But she knows that <laughs> this is my thing. So this is like, but this is the thing when you make music, you're obsessed, bro. You're obsessed. So I'm like looking at my watch, like, you know what I'm saying? And she's like, <laughs> then she just looks at me and she goes, just go and get the CDs, man. Just go and get the CDs. I'm like, thank you, man. Like, <laughs> my son jumped in the car, ripped a Croydon, Picked up a thousand CDs. A thousand? Come, a thousand, bro. You got them all in the car? A thousand, all in the car, bro. A thousand, like seats, two of us in the car, seats down, cut like a thousand. It takes up bare space as well. Got them back. So then like, just put them in the hallway. Went and picked them up, brought her home. And she was just like, you need to get these out of this house. Cause now there's a buggy, there's Moses basket. There's all of this stuff. I'm just like, I'm just feeling mad pressure. I'm just mm. like, bro, that was just, it was just fun and exciting, man. It was like, it was like my life was born, was reborn. My son was born. I just felt like a new energy. I was re-energized and I just, I just wanted to go, man. So it was like, spent the next couple of weeks doing the sailing return. 
So it's oh, like, so you take them to a shop. If they don't sell them, they give them back. Bro. And at that point, I don't care about the money, bro. I just want to be heard. Like I want, someone drove past me and they were playing my CD, bro. You can't tell me I'm not Jay-Z back then. When I heard that and I don't know the person, normally you know them, I'm looking, I'm like, bro, he doesn't even know it's me. Mm. He's driven past me. I'm like, yeah, this is like, this is happening. We're growing, we're growing. So yeah, just re-energize, man. And Sailing Return is long because you're no one. The, the shop guy, he, sh he shelves off full. So he's like, yeah, we'll take five. I'm like, my guy, I have a thousand of these. Take 50, bro. I won't even come back for the money. I swear to you, bro. Like, I'm cool, bro. He's like, nah, nah, give me 10. Bro, you know what I'm doing? Just to get rid of them. I'll buy the 10 back, yeah? <laughs> and then he'll call me and he'll be like, yeah, the 10 went fast, you know? Like, I'll make someone else do it. Does fast? Don't lie. What do you want? You want the 50 now? Yeah, yeah, bring the 50. Yeah, we've got 50 for you coming. So you'd get friends to go in and buy the CDs. Yeah, do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> so now I can go and give him 50. That's half a box out, bro. This was taking up so much space. So yeah, doing that. Oxford Circus, Birmingham, Croydon, like all the music shops. And yeah, it was different time, innit? When you were running around on those CDs, mm. what were you doing for money? Because I'm sure that wasn't, that wasn't covering the bills, right? Nah, me and my, my manager, he's my manager now. He was just my, he's always been my brethren, like my right hand. We just, every, every penny we made from anything, we just put it together and put it in this and put it in this. So it was like, sometimes we'd go back for the sale and return as well. So we'd get a little drips and drabs there, this and that. And just literally just sharing money. It's like we had one bank account, if I'm honest. Like it was, we were just sharing like anything. What do we need? Then we needed to do a video. How much does a video cost? 2,500, whoa. All right, cool. But now, my um, at the time, like my son's mum's like, yo, we need buggy. Let's say we need a buggy, but it's like, I need to do a video. It was like, I felt like I was always- Trying to decide between a buggy or a video. <laughs> yeah, bro, like you feel so guilty, but you, but you know, it made me understand. It made me understand like the, the, the need and the obsession and the love I have for this thing because I'm actually always comparing it. Like it sounds mad to hear me say, but it's just, when it's your purpose, it's your purpose, bro. Every single month we're growing, we're growing, we're growing. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And when it gets to that point, we'll have how many buggies? Do you get what I'm saying? We have the best cot, everything. It'll, it'll be able to spin. You get what I'm saying? It'll put the cot, we'll put the baby to sleep, whatever. You know what I mean? SMA champagne. Um, so yeah, but I, that was like, that was when I was understanding that you've like you've actually got some kind of obsession or some deep rooted love for this thing that should probably not be like that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like what you're weighing up against the other thing, it just but it just was, man. How long were you in that phase of like trying to like trying to give people your CDs and like how how in years or months, how long was that that phase? Where like people weren't because I was watching the Kanye Netflix. Yeah documentary cold, recently cold, yeah. and it reminded me of that that you got that young man who believed in himself more than anyone else did you mm. see that scene where he plays like bro it all, plays, um, all falls down all falls down and she's not paying attention to him. she goes on the phone yeah yeah she's on the phone she's intentionally <laughs> trying to tell him to piss off by yeah, like ignoring yeah, him yeah it reminds me of that like so how long were you in that phase of your journey just like selling them cds i think so if this first cd came out 2006 i reckon since like 2003 I'd been giving out music. But what I, what I was always very clever at, like I always wanted everyone to like my music. So I had different CDs 
with different songs on. So I'd have like a CD with 10 grime songs, mm-hmm. a CD with 10 love songs, a CD mm-hmm. with five songs about trying to turn your life around. I just had different CDs. And what I'd do, I'd give the CD to each person as to what I think they would like. Mm-hmm. So I give the man them that one. But what was happening is that like, I gave a man that and then I give his sister a different one. But his sister was like, yeah, but my brother's got one that's got different songs on. But I'm like, I don't think you'd like that. So it was like, I was always just, I had music, enough music to please everyone. But then everyone wanted the other songs as well. So that kind of made me decide that, you know what, if you put everything on 24 songs, then maybe they can all be centered to this disc yeah. and it can start there and it, it worked. Yeah. 2003, 2006, you were trying to move them CDs. Mm-hmm. Mixtape comes out 2006. Yeah. But what, what were you using as metrics to figure out if it was actually working? Bro, if if I heard my song on the radio, we was winning. Every time I heard it, I was like, cool. And my manager, we are yin and yang. Like I'm all creative and this guy is all genius in another way. So he would be like, I'd go to his house and he'd be like, all right, cool. We're going to this show in Nottingham. These people are performing. When you see this guy, he thinks he knows you. Yeah, because I've messaged him off your account. And you have had a conversation. So just make sure you say hello to him. I'm just like, how do you even even Mm. know who's who? But he'd already engineered some idea. And so then we we were at like proper, like the the, the first station to proper, like really show us mad love was like one extra. So it's like DJ Cameo, Ace and Viz, like all these, Rasquami, all these, Twin B, like all these people were just showing mad love. Like, come in, man, do an interview. And like, I like to think I'm likable. People like to conversate. So we're talking and then this guy will introduce me to a producer. Then the mm. producer will introduce me to a next person. Then we found out about press and PR. Mm. We started working with a guy called Charlie at Visions. And he was like, yeah, you pay us 500 pound a month and we can get you in magazines. Like, right, magazines, crazy. Like, it was just like, mm. everything was just one person away. So each person introduced us to a different person. And that's how I'm how I was measuring the growth. So I'm like, I can come back and I'm like, yo man, I just met this guy, man. He he shoots videos or I met this guy, he does PR. I met this guy, he's a photographer. Like, and she was in her head, she's probably thinking, oh, shut up. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah, what's yeah. the photographer gonna do? But I'm like, it's another step. Each step, each step, each step. One hand is washing the other and we will wash the whole body, I promise. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, in that, in that phase, you're, you're starting to get these radio plays and stuff, which mm-hmm. is kind of like a sign for you. It's that reinforcement, that thing, you're moving in the right direction. Yeah. Was there, and you, I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but was there a moment when even your, your partner at the time said to you, do you know what? I think, or you could see it in, because sometimes they don't say yeah. it, you can see it in their face. Yeah. Maybe I, when they hear it on the radio, they see, you know. Yeah, I always knew that I was ticking her off, man. Like in that, in just in, in that, not in everyone, in that, in, in that aspect. Because even like, at them times I used to write at home. Mm. Bro, I don't know if you've lived with a musician or been around a musician, bro. That beat is on loop for hours. You get what I'm saying? And all I would hear, like when I pull it back, is just like, as if you do it again. <laughs> like, and I just was like, you know what? I need to just start working in the studio. Mm. Like, cause this, like, it's not fair. Like it's, when you find your passion, yeah, you find your calling, bro. You're, you're not fair to no one. You're only fair to yourself. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You're not fair Amen. to anyone. Everyone, everyone comes second, bro. Everyone. And it's not intentional. It just, it just is what it is. So me thinking that I'm spending time with her because I'm writing in the house, even though I'm not talking to her, the song's just on loop and I'm writing, I'm thinking I'm spending time. 
that ain't spending time. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. That's just being present. So it's like, but then it's like in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, but if I'm in a studio for eight hours, it's better that I'm- At home. Yeah, that I'm at home. But it's it's actually all about me, bro. It's, it was only all about me, my calling and making this, making this music. This is my, like I wake up every day, I think music. Before I go to sleep, I think music. I used to have a, a dream that happened every time. And in the dream, I'm in the studio and I'm writing a verse and I'd wake up and I'm like, oh, I can never remember the verse. And I'm trying to remember, trying to remember. One day I woke up, I'm like, right, I, need, I had a pen and paper by my bed. I left it there. I wrote out the verse that I wrote in my dream. I was like, bro, this is like, to me, I'm like, I'm believing in this now. I'm like, this is, this has to be fate or something like this has to be engineered by someone higher than you man like from your writing in your sleep literally so just and just going and going and going mm. i want to get up to the point when you released black and white in 2011 yeah what happens <clears throat> between that mixtape coming out in 2006 to 2011 is that what are the most significant moments or pivotal moments where where things took a, a turn in a good direction okay like more more exposure and little things happening here and there. Like MTV asked us to do something for Black History Month. It was like a freestyle. That was strong because it showed people I could write, perform, stick to topic. Then One Extra gave us an award for getting, I think one of our records was the most played. Right. So it was like, that was quite cool. Like most street heat, that was DJ Semtex. Is that punctuation? I think it was punctuation. Yeah, punctuation getting a lot more bookings and Twin B, Twin B from One Extra, um, always having conversations with him. Like he just gave me an understanding of the game on, on the other side, because at the time he was working with, with, at ministry and he just had so many gems and he made me understand. Cause I used to think like, why am I not signed? Like, why was I not signed? Why am I not signed? Am I not good? Or it's, like, it's not about good or great. It's about, timing and it's about what can a label help you do how can a label help you be bigger what do you need to achieve before you step into a label so with all these conversations you know doing loads of collaborations as well and then Richard Antwi and Twin B they form a record label called Levels and they're like we want to sign you man and I'm like raw okay like what happens now kind of thing it's like now you need a lawyer now you need, you know, all these other things. And it was just like, once it got to that point, I knew that it was serious because Richard Antwi had worked with Adele, so many different people, do you get what I'm saying? And I knew that this guy was serious, twin music lover. We'd had endless conversations on the phone about music and they had their situation with Ministry of Sound. So they were like a subsidiary of Ministry of Sound. So it was like signed to levels, like, you know, and, and ministry as well. And I just... I just knew that that was the right thing to do at the time. When you get that news that yeah. they want to sign you, what's Ashley saying? Do you come home and you're like, ha! Yeah, it? <laughs> we done it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think I do, you know. I think, I guess by that point, just me being about me, the relationship's not where it, it could have been or where it should have been. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think by that time, we're already... Going our separate ways. Yeah, kind of drifting apart. But um, yes, I didn't get to to, to kind of have that that thing. But I think I think she's you know she's happy for me. Always been happy for me. Always want. Always knew that this was what I needed to do. 
she knew that it was a need and not a want because of the things, what everything I was weighing it up against, she knew that this is a need. Like this guy needs to do this. Like he needs it. So yeah. And then black and white. And then black and white. Yeah. So initially we signed for a single, which was Tractor. That was my ringtone in 2012. <laughs> yeah, that was my ringtone. I don't even know what phone uh, it was, but it was my ringtone when I first, I did one day at university before I dropped out and that yeah. was my, my ringtone from day, day one. My guy. Yeah. We, we had that record and Twin said to me, when I put the verses down, he was like, this song is going to change your life. Really? He said that? Yeah. And I was like, I don't know how you know that, but you're my guy. So I'm believing in you. And I'm like, I just didn't know what would happen next. So I'm still going back to them times when I'd go to the, the record shops, yeah, and kind of buy back the CDs to give more. So when I'm out in the club, if they're playing the tune or they're not playing the tune, I'm making sure they play the song. You get what I'm saying? Like I'm saying, yeah, what What does it take? What, all the drinks? Cool, I'll all the drinks. Play that song when the drinks come. Did it, like I'm making sure that this song is being heard. We're trying everything. We're not trying to, we're, our thing was always floor to ceiling. We'd say we'd make sure we'd covered everything floor to ceiling. And then, yeah, bam, it goes in the charts and literally everything changed. Everything changed after that. Take me through that process. So it goes in the charts and then you start, mm -hmm. just what's it like? Because I've, you know, I never had a, I never yeah. had a hit. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, it's like you get throughout that week. So the, say like the songs available to buy on Sunday was back then. So Monday morning, like the labels kind of knows the numbers in it. So mm. they're kind of like your number eight. I'm like, raw number eight. They're like, yeah, but we'll catch, we'll catch seven and six, maybe five. Then the next day it's like, yeah, you're number six. I'm like, what the hell? Like, and it's just going higher. Then it gets to four, I think. And it goes back to five and it's like, it's five and it's like, raw, we've got, we want to hold in, 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 in the top five. And it's just, I don't know. I just think at that time, yeah, you just, you, you almost step into a vehicle and then it just starts moving. And it's like, you know, like when you're driving through an area, you're looking out the window, you're just seeing things and you're just seeing people and, but you're just moving. It just, it was just moving, bro. Like it was just moving. It was moving. And then you're doing Glastonbury and then you're doing wireless and you're doing V Festival and you're doing, everything was just moving. Everything was, everything happened so fast that I don't think, I don't think I even stopped to take it in at that time. And then it, and then it was cool. You've done it once. That was one single. Now we want to do an album. What's the next single? And it's like, now you've got to do it again. And it's like, I didn't even really know how I'd done it in the first place. If I'm honest, like, do you get what I'm saying? It was just a cool song, sounded good and it worked. And then it was just like, okay, make a second single. And then made a second single while making the album. And it was just, it was just moving, man. Everything was just, it was, it, it happens. You know, when they say like, you, you wait your whole life for it to happen overnight, literally waited a whole life for it to happen overnight. And it, and once it happened, it just didn't stop. It just kept, the ball kept rolling, man. Were you prepared for it mentally? In, I don't know, socially, were you prepared for that train to pick you up and, and drag you off into your dream like that? I don't think so, no. But I think luckily, the only thing I wanted to do still at that time was make music. I think if I wanted to, I can see like how like, you know, like an artist has a hit 
and then just all over the papers and just getting involved mm. in different things. I can see how that can happen. Temptation, right? Yeah, because you end up in other places other than where you should be. But for me, it was still always about the studio. Like I'd go raving, but I'd go raving at one o'clock because the engineer's tired or the producer's tired and we finish. And I, I, I don't have the best night's sleep. I don't sleep too well. So it's one o'clock, yeah, I'd go out. But then tomorrow it was studio. Like it was always, I was always in and locked in. So I didn't veer from that. So I think in a sense, I wasn't prepared for one side of it, but for what I needed to do, I was prepared for. And I was serious about my half, my half of the deal, yeah. And then, so that album becomes a huge success, um, mm. a real breakthrough moment for you. Mm. Um, and then obviously when the album's done, you have another pressure, right? Which is the expectation of that album, right? Bro, go again. Do you get what I'm saying? Like flip a coin 10 times and get heads. Yeah. Mm. All right, cool. Now do another 10. Do you get what I'm saying? It's literally like, how am I going to... Yeah, get heads every time. Every time. Do you get what I'm saying? Get heads. Go and do it, bro. You've done it. Do it. Go. For me, like, making music is the part that I'm in control of. I never feel pressured about that. Never. Because I have I have what I have to say. I feel what I feel. And I'm going to pour all of that into music. I'm going to pour all of that into the album. No problem. I just think at, at that time, what... What was getting tricky was Ministry was kind of happy that we'd had three top five singles and was kind of just, you know, more as a business, more happy to stay in that domain. Like, yeah, let's just churn out the hits. And I think after Black and White and all of that and all the things like, you know, just... I, I think I had a lot of frustration in me and, 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 and it, was, it was almost... It's almost the side of my life which I, I I saw my uncle and my dad and all of that talking about the police. Like that side of me was coming out. Whereas I'd always mention it in my music, I just felt like I I, I wanted I I had something else to say. Do you know what I'm saying? Everything happened with Mark Duggan and all of that, and I was like, I need to speak about what's going on. And and I think it was a it was a bit of a difference of opinion. Do you know what I'm saying? Ministry of Sound wanted th these kind of songs ain't hit records, so it was a bit of a bit of friction. So we had to work our way, you know, around that. And it was just about, you know, getting to the point where we could release that album, which was growing over life. And it was just, for me, it was, it was, it was important that I released that record, man. And, and following Black and White, when you look back on how you reacted and, you know, that ten tension with the label and stuff like that, mm -hmm. in your maturity and wisdom now, is there, do you wish you'd behaved differently following the, the, the release of that album and its success? Is there something you wish you had, you know, in with the wonder of hindsight? hindsight yeah. yeah. Change, nah. Yeah? Nah, because I wasn't like, I wasn't aggressive. I just like to understand. I like clarity. And I think what, what can happen in an industry is not everybody wants to be crystal clear. Whereas it's, it's like, if, if you're crystal clear with it and say, do you know what, if we can get another Don't Go and another Tractor and another Blackout, then whatever. So it's like, all right, cool. Then you understand an assignment of what you're after. But it's like, if you're not being crystal clear, then it kind of leaves you in limbo. So you're sending in songs mm. and it's just like... And they're not being clear about what... Yeah, it's like the feedback's <laughs> a bit like, don't think this one's a single it's like. And say it was a single, she said it was a song, like mm. kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, 
Yeah, just trying to gain understanding. I think that was what my frustration was, was like just gaining understanding. But Twinby, obviously, Twinby and Richard Andrew always kept it 100. Always was just like, look, if we can have, if there's any moments where we can, I think they're like, you need to say what you need to say in it. Do you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And if them other moments arise, we'll find them and you'll engineer them. You're the best at doing that. You know, when you're comfortable to do it, you do it. Do you know what I'm saying? There ain't no pressure coming from our way. And I came, came up with six words, which was... um written within that, within that space and within that time. And I was like, all right, cool, I've got one. The one you want <laughs> is the one you want kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, so yeah, but I think with hindsight, I didn't like, I didn't fly off the handle. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get angry. I'm not, I didn't get aggressive. It was, it was, it was pointless. Did, did you stray away from your, like your principal passion of making music during that phase? Did you, did you find yourself like not showing up obsessed in the studio in the same way after that hit? Because sometimes when people reach the mountaintop, they, mm. they they lose a bit of orientation and motivation sometimes. And, mm. you know, there's other temptations. Now you've got a bit of money, so you don't need to be, the hunger's slightly yeah. different. Nah. Nah? Nah, love it. Like, I think for me, always wanting to be the best rapper, always wanting to say the sickest things, the things that people are like, well, how did you get to that? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, so that, that never left me. So like, there was always freestyles, there was always, you know, always raps, always verses, you know, collaborations. Like at the time, like my manager, Zion used to say to me, like, he used to be like, bro, sometimes you got to make something make sense. Like these people are asking you for a feature. They want to pay you 20 bags a verse or 10 bags a verse. And you're saying no. And you're bridging round the corner is rapping. You're giving them a verse for free. Like we've got a, I'm not saying don't do the verse for free, but I'm saying, <laughs> there's, you get what I'm saying there's some over here that make that verse make sense as well so it's like also as well navigation and just being like oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah you're, you're mm. right kind of thing and just some things work well for positioning do you know mm. what I mean as well but just always yeah just always wanting to be the best artist man just always wanting to have the best album I think that's something that's never left me and I think if that does leave you as an artist that's probably when it's like, you know, like when you see Mike Tyson mm. in the ring at the end and he's fighting some guy you haven't heard of mm. and he's just mashing him up and you're just like, Mike, man. Do you get what I'm saying? Like mm. Mike five years ago, you would have finished him, but it's like, Mike's not Mike. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Mike ain't got that. That's him. You don't love it anymore. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? He's the, the love's gone. You can see it in his eyes. And I feel like if that happens to you as a musician, it's, yeah, it's not, it's not good to kind of like mess up your legacy, man. Like One of the things that's always made you stand out, even when I listened to your Fire in the Booth, and I listened mm -hmm. to all of them, I have them on replay. I actually played one last night to my girlfriend. I was like, Rich, is coming to <laughs> listen to them. I played uh, the one you did with, is it Ave Avelino? Avelino, yeah. Avelino, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I played that one a lot. Um, is the subject matter of what you write about is, isn't about buying Rolexes and fast cars. Mm -hmm. Now, as a young black man myself, um, I tend to feel a sense of disappointment when I go yeah. on Instagram and I see like the new school of like hip hop artists all putting their hands in and showing their rollies. Because for me, it's like leading um, our people astray mm -hmm. in the sense, because I, I would like them to show their investment portfolio mm -hmm. or their the, the equity they have in businesses mm -hmm. and stuff. Because like, you know, um, what's your stance on that? I actually was going to put some stuff on my story the other day because I saw... I don't want to name names because it's not about individuals. It's about a, a culture. Mm -hmm. um, I saw some rappers that actually follow me, some big, big hip hop U UK rappers that follow me. 
all that showing off the material things. And it really disappoints me because I know mm. there's thousands, in this case, there's 800,000 people that follow this guy and th they're now going to aspire to buy Gucci before to, they yeah, yeah, invest yeah, their yeah. money or put it away. What's your yeah. thoughts on this? I think we've, growing up, yeah, I think like we were so like bedazzled by the American rap culture. And we'd always seen them have things, have jewelry, have all these things and whatever. And I think even myself at a point, for me, that was like a trophy or a measure of success. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like the Rolex was a measure of success. And I, and I think like, like I've heard you say yourself as well, it's like once you get it, it's like, doesn't really make you feel inside. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't really give you mm. nothing like that. And I think we haven't had we haven't had the luxury of of information. Mm. And I think information comes from people who look like you and people who have been through it, had success and are able to tell you. So now I'm in that position. I'm able to talk to an 18 year old and be like, yeah man, you can Get that, but at the same time, make sure you've got that. Mm -hmm. One of the dumbest things I'd ever done in my life, I don't think I've said this anywhere, is, so obviously when I, um, out of my mum's, got a council flat, bro, when I signed my deal, I left my house. I left the whole house and just went, left the council house, left, just left it. But people at the time were saying to me, yo man, buy it, like, why don't you buy it? And I'm like, I don't, I'm not going to live here. Like it was in Tottenham. I'm like, I'm not going to live here. I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? And they were like, no, you don't just buy it. But the people that were telling me to buy it didn't own a house. Mm. So I'm like, what do you know? Yeah. What do you know? Like I live in Princess Park Manor. Do you get what I'm saying <laughs> now? Like this is gated community. Like this is way better than this, bro. Re that, that was a very stupid mistake. Should have bought that. That would have been my first one on the ladder. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They give you a discount, bloody, bloody, blah, whatever. But, even though I had the information, it wasn't coming from a success story. It wasn't coming from someone that had done it before. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? So now I'm the first one that's like, yo, where are you going to rent? Like, think about what you're doing. Because then even myself, like I was in Princess Park Manor forever. And even in there, like I wasn't ever like thinking about buying property. And they were like, don't you want to buy the one that you're in? I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to be here forever. Like in, in my eyes, property was you buy to live, mm -hmm. not buy to let. And you can't move. Yeah, yeah do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, so in my yeah. head, I'm thinking, no, I'm going to buy where I'm going to live. But I'm like, I never really understood that. No, you can buy and move and just own it and then rent it yourself. Do you mm -hmm. get what I'm saying? I didn't really understand the, the principle of that. So um, I understand. I understand why it happens. I understand why... All the, we, we want all these trophies, I get it. But I think it's it's about people like myself who can now conversate with the with the younger lot and be like, look, man, like I get it, it looks nice, but bro, like this music is Game of Thrones, bro. Music is game, you see Game of Thrones, they kill the main character, bro. Do you get what I'm saying? They mm. don't mind doing that. Music is Game of Thrones, bro. You're Michael Jackson on Monday, you're Tito Jackson on Tuesday, bro. Like. And then you can be Michael again by Sunday. You get what I'm saying? Like the mu it's musical chairs, bro. Like you have to understand we're not always gonna be number one forever. So just make sure you're 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 buying a foundation for your foundation, man. Mm. Yeah. When you had, you know, your first big breakthrough moment, at the time, did you somewhere in your mind think that this was 
meant that you would be number one forever? Is there part of you that goes, oh, we've done it now in terms of like, mm. now I know this, the, uh, the equation. Yeah. A bit of complacency maybe. I kind of think like the more you understand, because obviously but at, the, at that time, there's a, there's a route to get to number one. And it's like, your song's launched by Mr. Jam or Annie Mac, and then the pre-order's out, and then you go for playlisting or Radio One, One Extra, Capital. And there's like a, there's a route that puts you on the pitch. Mm -hmm. Do you get what In I'm saying? To, yeah, 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 to get it. There's so like there's a, a route. Steps. Yeah, so, yeah. but the problem is you can't believe in the root more than you believe in the fruit. Mm. So you can't think that this root can work with whatever fruit you give it. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still, still has to be an apple, bro. <laughs> yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Like it still has to be fruitful. It still has to be a, a record, a sick record. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. So then, you know, you, you, you like we've had some records that I thought, yeah, like there's one or two that I thought like the root can carry it. And then when the root don't carry it, you realize like, nah, this, this don't work every time. You don't, once again, you don't, you don't just, yeah, 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 yeah. you don't get 10 heads in a row, bro. Mm. You get what I'm saying? You get tails one time and then it's, and then it's how you bounce back from that. Have you had to talk to me about bouncing back from that then? Cause mm. you know, even as a fan of yours, like I'll play, I'll play records of yours when they drop mm. and I'll be like, I'll say, say to my boys and my, we've got this little chat on WhatsApp. I'll say, this one is a fucking, like this one yeah. is, um, I'm like, this one's going to be right. And then it might not get there and another one might, mm. you must have that all the time. And how do you manage the expectation of like building, creating a project, you believing that it's X, mm. Y, and Z. I mean, mm -hmm. I do that with these podcasts as well. You just never know like, mm. which episode's going to bang. Right. Mm -hmm. And then putting it out there. And that bit being out of your control. How does that feel? Like, yeah. and if you had moments like that where you've created something and put it out there, you go, what? Yeah, you have to understand that that's the side that we're not in control of. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, and as an artist, just make it for you. Make it for you. Put your best foot forward, but make it for you. Because if I make a song that I think is rubbish, but I think everyone's going to like, yeah? And I put a song out, Everybody likes it. It goes to number one. I now have to perform this song. Mm -hmm. This song is in my discography. This is in my catalog. Like my great, great, great grandkids are going to hear this song. Do you get what I'm saying? And not even have had a conversation with me. That's going to be their representation of their great, 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 great grandfather. Be proud of your art, man. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Be proud of it. So for me, it's like I put my blood, sweat, tears and skin in my album when it comes out if they like it mm. if they don't like it what can I I can't I can't do anything more than I've done and I, and I put my best foot forward and I think you have to live by that man because you either you, you, you either have the hit that you don't like or you put out the record that you don't like and it's not a hit so now you've got a, <laughs> now you're wrestling back to get back to where you was for something you didn't even like anyway mm. Do you get what I'm saying? Just put your best foot forward, man. And stay true to yourself. Yeah, stay yeah. true to yourself, man. Because it's your, this is your legacy. Like me now, I try and look at my, like it all made sense to me when I started seeing my career from the end till today. And I'm like, what, what, what navigates me is, will I be happy with this at the end? So I make a song today and I'm listening to the tune and I'm like, 
will I be happy with this at the end? Yeah, it mm. can work for today then. But if I feel like at the end, I might feel like, ooh, I don't think you should have put that one out. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, bro. Oh yeah, what we got, what we got, how many, we get 80 years maybe now, whatever you'd like, your legacy can, can triple that, bro. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? Like have the right one, have the right one. You got, you're in control of that. Mm. That's what you are in control of. And you've had a taste of the like, the empty nature of like fame and like people writing about you every single second and yeah, yeah. people running up and falling and all this stuff. You've tasted that. So what what have you learned about what that means? Being on Dragons then now, I get it a little bit more. So I get yeah. people coming up to me and stuff and I'm in the early stages of like figuring out what it means to, you know, like have Daily Mail reporters standing outside the house here and taking mm. photos of me and my girlfriend when we walk out and I'm trying to understand what this attention means. Is it something mm. I can use? Does it make me feel good? What is it? It, it it didn't make me feel good, man. I didn't. That's one thing I've I've always wanted to be in the shadows. Like I've always not wanted that part of it. Some people understand how to use it though. Do you get what I'm saying? Because say for example, you're you're designing clothing, and it's like every time they shoot you, they're putting it in a magazine. Do you get what I'm saying? Like you're being yeah, yeah. you're being mass exposed, and your yeah, clothing's yeah, yeah. being mass exposed. But it's like if you don't have, if you don't wish for that, if you don't desire for that then it's like, I, f I feel like it's, it was useless for me being in the front of certain magazines for, for nothing, like nothing artistic. Mm. Do you get what I mean? Mm. And I know people say like, any publicity is good publicity. I'm like, sometimes you can just be famous for nothing. And no one wants to be the guy that's like the most famous person in the world and no money. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, not, not, and I don't say money, like to be rich. I just mean like, everyone knows who you are and everywhere you're walking, you're stopping and it's having a conversation, taking a picture, taking a this, taking a that, taking a that. But like, your thing's not in order. Like, you're not gonna feel good mm. being that person. So like, I just, yeah, I never, I never really liked it, man. I never liked it, man. I was the one, I was hiding from the pipes, man, all the time. In your come up, did you ever experience what they call like imposter syndrome? Walking into rooms and feeling like, what the fuck am I doing here? Or being in situations and going like, I don't know if I deserve this, that voice inside. For a short period of time. But you know who made me overcome that? Richard Antwi. Like he, he passed away, but this, he's such a champion. This guy would walk, he walks into any meeting fearlessly. Any, like you could be sitting down with the head of HMV or, and he's going to tell them, yeah, you need to take 20,000 of our CDs and da, 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 da. And you're just like, rah, like you're just, like he made me feel like you're you, bro. Like you're gold. You're the gold as well, you know. You're gold, bro. Like don't now walk into that room and because you think everything in here is, is gold, become silver. No, 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 I'm gold as well. Do you get what I'm saying? And it, and I think being around him and then that dripped down to my manager, Zion, as well. And he's got that thing as well where, bro, we were like, we were having like, I remember, I remember we were, um, we done a thing with Lucas Aid where they put us on like... On the bottles. Yeah, on the bottles, yeah. And I remember like us sitting down, we were like tapping each other. So we're like, yeah, what do you want to put on the bottles? Like, yeah, man. You want to put our estate? Mm. on the? But I'm thinking they're going to say no. But they're like, yeah, yeah, that would be sick. Like, yeah, picture of our estate. Yeah, yeah, and what else? Yeah, man, and this and that and that. And I realised, I was like, you can get... The things that you think you can't get, you can get. Like, you are the gold as well. There's a reason why... Lucas Aid want to partner up with Retreat. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. Like, there's a reason. Mm. And it's like, sometimes we think it's 
they're so big they don't but they need it's a it's a two-way thing it's a mm-hmm. two-way street so i think yeah for a short period of time i did but then like zion richard twin like they just they just made me understand the importance of like Knowing your worth. Yeah, stuff. knowing your worth and just being fearless, man. Just walking into any room as me. Like, and and like I did feel that as well at certain times because obviously now we see the festival lineups like Wireless and all that. Like you see Miss Banks, you see Steph London, you see Getch, you see Gigs, you see you see so many names. 2011, it wasn't like that, bro. You see Tiny, you might see Chip, you see Wretch. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. It was like, or certain festivals, I'm the only representative of this genre. So it's like, when you're stepping into that, like then you're feeling like if I mess up, like if I even forget one line of my lyric, they ain't booking no one next year. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. So it's like, then the, you've got this thing where it's like the fight's on where you're fighting for the scene. You know what I mean? And you've got to wear it like a badge of honour. I remember like doing Glastonbury and like the guy who like books the tent, like standing on the side or the, whatever. I can't remember what festival it was, but it was just standing on the side, like just asking me bare questions. Like, why do you have two drummers? It's just like, bro, I've got electronic sounds on my album. He plays electric, he plays acoustic. Like, so the, the music's gonna sound exactly like the record. Oh, how come you set your stage up like this? How come, how come? Like so many questions that I don't feel like you was asking anyone else. Mm. You just wanted to check if we knew what we was doing. And at that point, to be fair, no, everyone's shooting in the dark. Do you get <laughs> what I'm saying? Everyone's, we're all guessing, bro, at that point. All shooting in the dark. Just don't be the casualty. Don't be the one that gets hit. That was the, that was the theory. So um, yeah, we just felt our way through. But them times I did used to feel a little thing. But then afterwards I was like, nah, man, I'm coming. Like we're coming. We've got stuff to add. I've got hit records as well. They want to hear us. And then the festival lineup needs to be more diverse. Like we're 10 years after that now and the festival lineup is more diverse. But I do feel like at that time if Tiny Temple wasn't turning up or... Chip wasn't doing what he had to do. Even Professor Green wasn't doing what he had to do. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like Tinchi had to do what he had. We had to get it right and we had to, or we, I don't know if we'd be here today. When you come from the estate, like you do, mm. and you, you end up in these like boardrooms and these fancy meetings with these, you know, rich white men in suits. Um, what I see in a lot of like young, young people from those, those kind of backgrounds is mm. they kind of walk through life with a bit of a an expectation that the cards are stacked against them. Yeah. And I I worry sometimes that that belief, whether it's true or false, it is often true. Mm. The belief that the cards are stacked against you mm-hmm. can be equally or more harmful than mm. the cards actually being stacked against you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the belief of the cards being stacked against you can be the deterrent of you even playing the game. Exactly. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. I don't even want to deal now. Like, don't deal me yeah, in. Like, there's no lose. point. Yeah, I'm yeah, going to yeah, lose yeah. anyway. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know what that comes from. But I was fortunate, man. Like, I can't I can't say it enough. Like, Richard Antwi, like, just just a G. He was a, lawyer, a mu- he was a lawyer as well, a music lawyer. So he he understood that side as well. So he could he could speak whatever language. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. At, at any table. He could, like, if they started talking about splits and points, he can he can go there with you. Do you get what I'm saying? So when you're walking into a game with that, bro, you're, you ha- you're fearless, bro. Green Machine. You started this business with your um, business partner. Mm-hmm. And it's um, now, I believe, the, the largest CBD shop mm-hmm. in Europe by number of shops that you yeah, have. Yeah, by number of stores, square feet, they say. Oh, yeah. by square feet. Tell me about Green Machine. 
Green machine. Um, if I'm honest, I'm someone who like don't believe in paracetamols. I don't like take stuff like that. A mate of mine was always telling me that like he's going into this CBD space, and I'm like, what's CBD? And he's like, it's basically a natural alternative to medicine. So I'm like, okay. He's like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be the future. Like, it's gonna be the future. So I'm like, all right, cool. What does it do? He's like, well, people come in, cancer patients, people with MS, people with fibromyalgia, people with lupus, people that can't sleep, people that suffer with severe headaches. Okay, and what does it do for them? It, I wouldn't say it cures them, but it helps them manage their illness. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, all right, cool. So to me, this sounds like paracetamol. Because I don't believe in paracetamol, it don't work on me. So I haven't, I don't need to, I don't take it. I haven't taken it for years. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I go and link him and I get all the products. Yeah, I get all the products and I give it out to family members. Someone's got fibromyalgia. Can you just try it and just tell me what happens? Like, it's, it's absolutely nothing to do with me. Just give me honest feedback. Severe headaches, you can't sleep, anxiety, whatever. Giving it out, giving it out. Everyone came back and was like, I couldn't sleep, I'm now sleeping. Or the times when I was having joint problems, I'm rubbing the cream on and I'm okay. So I'm like, all right, cool. I haven't told these people this might potentially be anything to do with me. They're just being honest. So I'm like, all right, cool. What do I have that I can personally try? So I'm like, all right, I can't sleep. So let's try some of the O's, try some of the O's, bro, I'm sleeping. I'm like, all right, this is a real thing. So then like, I was like, cool, let me have a conversation with like the actual founder, yeah? Uh, a guy called Paul, who's absolute genius in this realm. And I'm like, what's your story? He's like, well, chronic arthritis. And he literally like has a cannabis background, but he was using CBD to help manage his pain. And then he was like, well, why can't we, you know, open it as a business and, you know, start, start moving forward and helping people, you know? Um, so yeah, and then I was just like, I haven't like put a lot of time, focus and money into a lot of other things other than music. And I've always been waiting to find something, but I wanted to find, like, I didn't want to go down a clothing route. Like I want something that reflects who I am. I'm, I'm an individual who likes to help people. Do you get what I'm saying? Likes a people's person. And I honestly think like, this is like the future of medicine, man. Like, and so hopefully, you know, it will go down the route where it will become prescribed. Like if you look at, if you, and, and, and for us, it's like, it's about growing the business. We, we're hoping to have like between 50 and 75 stores within the next three years. Wow. Um, and hopefully if it goes to the point where it, it, it does turn into like a, a former chemist, like the fingers of the chemist, you go there and you're like, oh, I've got a headache. What can I take? they recommend you a thing or I've got itch on my back. You can actually speak to someone and they can tell you, oh, no, 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 you're better off getting that cream. That works better for you. Cool. Like we want to be that kind of version for people that come in because it's 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 a, it's a two-way educational street because people are coming in, a lot of people coming with MS, a lot of people coming with cancer. And I'm like, as much as everyone in the stores are equipped to tell them, there's still new things to learn and there's like still new ideas for different products. And it's just a new space that you know i get to to 
put some focus in, and mm. it's, it's 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 something that I think is is honestly going to benefit people as well. And we've tried a lot of the products; they're all amazing. This one actually tastes amazing as well. The grapefruit and mint drink, and we went down there earlier. We got some coffees mm -hmm. and some other and some of the oils and stuff. The creams that I'm going to try as well. Super interesting. The other thing that you're involved in, which I think is a fairly new thing, is the Def Jam mm -hmm. position. So you're now the creative director there. Yeah, that's dope. That is just it's mad. Yeah, it's I'm working with a like such a cold bunch, man. Like everyone, everyone's extremely talented, man. And I think for me, more than anything, like it's sick to be on this side because understanding it from the other side, like being the artist coming into an office or coming into an environment, I'm gonna know the answers to a lot of the things what they're asking because I've been through it as well. So um, always on my come up, like I've always worked or had long conversations with artists that are coming, like whether it be Stormzy or it be Avellino, or it be Youngen, Clipton, whoever it, whoever it may be. And I think like there was never like a role or a title or nothing. And it's like, you're not doing that for money or for finance. Like you literally want to see the game nourish. You want to see everyone blossom. So it's like, the game's got bigger. And I think now it's about showing that we're able to work in the infrastructure and add value. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's valuable our artists being inside to be able to speak to artists. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. To be able to create, to be able to implement ideas. Because what happens is you, like I say, like you, we jumped on a train at the beginning of 2011 and it just moved. And then I, I had to meet a tour manager and I had to meet a booking agent and all these things. And it's like, I can literally talk you through everything step by step. And that's like, if we're signing artists at ground zero, sometimes there's artists that are already put a paper, he's already here, already established. He signed to us. Um, but it's like just having artistic conversations with artists. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And I think it's beautiful, man. I wake up and think art, wake up and think creative. So to be able to be in a space where I'm able to do that with artists that I love and respect, with people that I love and respect as well. Win-win, man. Yeah. Earlier on, you said till death do us part. I mm -hmm. noticed you um, don't have a wedding ring on. No, no, no. No wedding What's ring. What's the situation there? Are you in a relationship? Are you dating? What's the... uh, yeah, in a relationship. Not married. Have you, str have you struggled with relationships or have you, have you found it being a, an, a fairly obsessive person? Because mm -hmm. throughout your story, I, had, I saw this word hunger over and over again, yeah, even when yeah. other people described you. And I'm, I'm thinking back to Ashley on that kitchen table, getting annoyed at you. you know? Yeah, I, I think I'm understanding balance a lot more. I think that's come with maturity and that's come with age. Like balance is important. I had no balance back then, none. It was all about making this happen. And I don't know if it's because it happened. Do you get what I'm saying? And maybe if it doesn't happen, maybe we don't get this version of me where I'm more understanding that you've got to divide time. I think also what, what was a big eye opener for me, like once again, talking about jumping on that train, yeah? Um, from like 2011 to 2014, 15, bro, certain times my family's having conversations, yeah? And I'm like, what, when was that? And they're like, oh no, no, that was when you was- Off. Yeah, it's train. like I was It's like I was dead for four years or I was just off the grid. And it's like, it's never ever sat well with me. Do you know what I'm saying? So now like I make a conscious, effort, conscious decision to be, like as someone who is the back, the backbone and the head of the family, to be it. Do you get what I'm saying? Because there's mm. two there's two types 
of 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 you know of men that hit the family, and it's and it's one that mm. everyone's financially okay, and when if there's any red letters, but then there's a there's the one that's able to do that, but is also there as well, like an hour on the phone or let's go and sit down and talk for four hours is as powerful as someone who can make a bill vanish. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm, and I yeah, think yeah. in 2011, I was more the other guy. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll sort it out. I get, um, phone this person that can sort it out. Phone, mm. like someone can sort it out. Mm. I'm sorting it out. But it was like, I'm missing. And it doesn't yeah. make me feel good. I'm like, I miss graduations. And do you know what I mean? Like so much things that because you're busy, they might not invite you to now. Because we asked you to come last week, but you couldn't make it. Like I was generally out of the country, but maybe I could have made that one, but you didn't ask. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, doesn't feel good, man. I think I'm probably red letter guy now. It's horrible, bro. Yeah, and not giving enough attention to family in that regard. Like, how do you how do you balance it? Or you, you with my family? Really, really, it's a really difficult thing. Um, they they kind of live all over the place as well, so they don't all live in one place. So really like what I do is I try and bring everyone together for Christmas and I mm. fund the situation at Christmas. Um, but I know I'm not doing a good enough job and it's something I'm going to work on. Fortunately, I met a, a young lady who is very unnegotiable about balance. Yeah. And like, I genuinely feel that if I don't, I've got to make sure my terminology is correct here. Cause sometimes, mm. sometimes when people describe their relationships, especially people that are really obsessive, they, they start to use words like, which is, which, which, make it seem like I'm doing something to please someone mm. so that they don't go. Yeah. Where yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah. it's I want to do it, mm -hmm. but she has given me the desire to want to be balanced in my life. Which means like today, mm. during the work day, I went for lunch with her, then came back quickly and yeah. like carried on with my yeah, research yeah, on yeah. you and stuff. Yeah. I would never have done that before. Yeah. I would have just woken up in the morning, eight o'clock and I would have worked till 1am until I'd fallen asleep. And then I would have said to whoever I was with, probably kind of like gaslighted them in some way and said like, oh, you don't understand. Yeah. No, no, you found the right person then. Yeah, get, because then you want to... Then I want to do it. It's then not you compliance. Wanna, yeah, then it's you want to like, do it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Then you want to. It's, it's, it's about balance, man. It's about balance. And like, even me with the kids as well, like I've got a, my, my son's 15. 15 yeah. yeah, my daughter's 10. It's like that balance as well, like it, you know, at the time when I had my daughter and we then, you know, then, but we, we separated mm. and it was like, it hurts me. Like my daughter, she has no recog recognition of living with me. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, mm. she's like, yeah, my, yeah, my mum said like, like you used to live, like, I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, I used to, of course I used to live there. You used to wake up and you come to me and she can't remember. Mm. Then I'm like, you, I need to overextend to build this relationship because my son has that. We've had that waking up, him going to sleep, waking up, seeing me. Do you know what I'm saying? And mm. it's just them little things where it's like, my, they, like the kids will come over and I'll be like, oh, we're going to do this. And she, my daughter might say to me, oh, I have to ask my mum. Really? So it's like her concept of a dad was probably more like an uncle. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, like yeah, to your yeah, uncle, yeah. you say, no, I've got to ask my mum, but not to your dad, but. It's like she had to, I was like, no, no, me and your mum are on the same level. Do you know what I'm saying? But mm. because she's not seeing me every day, mm. like, or waking up to me or, do you know what I mean? I'm mm. not tucking her in. I was just like, bro, I had to, like, it was so important that we we get here, we get here, we get, and we're here now. But it took, it takes time to rebuild, man. So it's better you build it than have to rebuild as well.
What if, um, you know, when you were shot on those CDs and trying to get people to buy the, those first thousand CDs from your mixtape line from mm. my mixtape, mm -hmm. what if it just hadn't worked out? Has that ever crossed your mind? What if just, you know, what if it didn't, didn't work out? Had to. Had to. Like the plan B was revert back to plan A. Anytime you felt like you needed to remotely think about doing something else, it was revert back to plan A. It was always, it was always going to happen. There's a lot of people that think that and, and yeah. it just doesn't work out, you know? Like, yeah. Does that haunt you a little bit? Just <laughs> I think my need was too much, man. My need was too, I, I became too good at it. Like the obsession made me better, made me more hungry. I just, be, I just became a monster, man. I just, I'm like, no one can rap like I rap. Do you get what I'm saying? But that's because I'm listening to everyone rapping and I'm like, all right, cool. How, rah, this is what they're doing, yeah? Like, all right, triple rhymes, cool. I'll do quadruple. Do you get what I'm saying? Like I was always trying to challenge, trying to push, trying to push, trying to push. And like, when you've been rapping, like when your year group is like Getz or Kano or, I mean, or gigs or whatever like that, that's like, man's age group, they're my age mates. So it's like when you're listening to Gets and he's doing that, you're like, all right, cool. I can't even slip mm. a second. You know what I'm saying? I've got to, I've got to push. I've got to push. I've got to push. I can't. It, it had to happen, man. I, I don't see any, this story wasn't ending any other way or like this story wasn't having any other middle. And what would you say to musicians that, you know, are now coming up in this world of TikTok and, you know, what, 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 do they, what do you think they need to, to make it and to follow it in your footsteps? I mean... Now that you also know the industry as well and the inner yeah. mechanics of that. Because TikTok is, TikTok is powerful now, man. Mm. It's the new tastemaker. It's the new... Discovery library. Yeah, it's yeah. the new discovery, man. And it's like... So remember when I said that there was a formula mm. and it was like, if that DJ plays it first on Thursday and then... TikTok is a part of that formula now. Like you put a song on that sounds a certain way, it gets a certain amount of views. And that's an indicator to the record labels that this song is going to be amongst, you know, on the playing field of the, the hit playing field. It's, it's, it's become that. And I think you can use it to your advantage, but I guess once again, like the part we are in control of is the song, is the quality. Like always make sure the quality is top notch, regardless, because all the things, everything else would change, bro. Like Michael Jackson put out tapes, vinyls. Now Chris Brown goes on streaming platforms. Do you know what I'm saying? And I launched records on radio first. Now they launch records on TikTok. For, like info, everything would change, bro but the quality will always remain. You can't skip it. You can't skip leg day, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're outing me there. Yeah. <laughs> we have a, a closing tradition on this podcast where um, the last guest writes a question for the next guest mm. and they don't know who they're writing it for. They always ask, but we never tell them. So they've actually written two questions, which is interesting. The, the first question they wrote, I'm going to read them both at the same time, is what for you is a life well lived? And then they wrote, how do you make the most of this moment? So what for you is a life well lived and how do you make the most of this moment? Uh, a life well lived is waking up every day and having multiple reasons to smile. And within that, making multiple people smile. 
Um, I always think like life is a record. So you know the record, mm-hmm. put the, the needle on and it comes inwards. So as it's coming inwards, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Then it gets to the end in the middle and it stops. And my thing is like, what song are you listening to while your, your, <laughs> your time span is shortening? Is it something that's, 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 that's full of purpose, something that's making you smile and something that's energizing other people? And, I, and, and, and for me, it's like, I want to be able to be a positive soundtrack for key moments in other people's lives as well. So a life well lived is me being happy, bringing happiness and being able to also add a soundtrack to people's happiest moments. Dope, dope answer. And the the second question was, how do you make the most of this moment? How do I make the most of this moment? Living it, man, living it. And I think appreciate it as well. I think, um, I say living it because it's 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 easy to be on that train. I keep going back to that train. It's easy to be on that train and just to keep going, keep going, keep going. But for me, we don't meet anyone for no reason. There's no meaningless conversation. You know, there's always something to take from a conversation that you thought, what the hell was that about? Do you know what I'm saying? Because we're all, bro, 